Hello, and welcome to episode three of the AESA Graduate Student Coalition podcast. I'm your host, Tim Monreal, and I am a doctoral student in Social Foundations of Education at the University of South Carolina. This episode is the first of a three-part series that shares insights from the 2018 AESA Annual Meeting Graduate Session titled, I'm a Foundations Doc Student, Now What?, with panelists Dr. Sophia Rodriguez, UNC Greensboro, Dr. Daniela Cook, University of South Carolina, and Dr. Abraham De Leon, University of Texas, San Antonio. In part one, the panelists share what brought them to the field of foundations and educational studies, along with advice for graduate students interested in academic careers. Part two will focus on publishing and writing advice, while part three will speak to the current moment in foundations. Look for the second part to be available in the upcoming weeks. I hope you find the conversation as interesting and as fruitful as I did. I'm excited to learn from. Um, we have Dr. Deleon, Dr. Cook, Dr. Rodriguez, um, who have been so kind to take time out of their busy schedule to join us. Just a few words about each one of them. Um, Dr. Abraham Deleon is an associate professor of social foundations and assistant dean of undergraduate student success and programming at the University of Texas at San Antonio. His research interests explore cultural studies, critical pedagogies, and Imaginal. Imaginal. Okay, imaginal futures. He is currently writing the book for Rutledge entitled Subjectivities, Identities, and Education After Neoliberalism Rising from the Rubble. Thank you for joining us. Dr. Daniela Cook, who is from the University of South Carolina. Yay. Has, um, made the long drive up. I know. It's such a sacrifice. <laughs> is an associate, associate professor. Uh, yeah, you are. In the department, yeah, we can all get snacks. He's an associate professor in the Department of Instruction and Teacher Education at the University of South Carolina. Originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, she received her master's and doctoral degrees from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Go Tar Heels. There you go. Right. Prior to the wrong Carolina, right? <laughs> no, it's the right <laughs> Okay, oh, we're not going to get to the right <laughs> I've avoided them almost. <laughs> During this conference. Prior to joining the faculty at USC, Cook served as an assistant professor of education at the University of Tulsa and the postdoctoral research fellow with the Research Network on Racial and Ethnic Inequality in the Social Science Research Institute at Duke University. Her research and scholarship addresses three intersecting themes historical and contemporary narratives of black educators, public policy with a focus on community engagement and identifying factors that support student access to rigorous curricula across diverse schooling context. These three areas reflect her commitment to the democratic project of sustaining racially just and equitable schooling for communities traditionally underserved by public education. Finally, um, uh, Dr. Sophia Rodriguez, who did not send me her bio. That is true, and I'm, my guilt is high right now. So you that will be no guilt, no shame. Uh, is an assistant professor of education foundations at the University of North Carolina Greensboro. This past summer, she was a visiting scholar of migration studies and sociology at Vassar College. 
She teaches courses about sociology, of migration, research methodology, and social theory. Using ethnographic methods, she investigates the identity, belonging, and perceptions of citizenship for Latinx and undocumented youth in K-12 settings. Her research has appeared in such journals as Educational Policy, Educational Studies, Journal of Latinos in Education, and the Urban Review. Thank you for joining us. Um, I, my hope is to make this as informal as possible. I have guiding questions to kick it off, but hopefully this is our space to we can learn from you all. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, just kind of talk about how you came to foundations, um, and also just kind of where your work is now in terms of foundations, if you wouldn't mind. Like I said, I'm Abraham DeLeon, um, assistant or associate professor of social foundations. And I, I kind of came to foundations in a roundabout way. Um, my background is actually in social studies education. So my PhD is technically in curriculum instruction. Um, my master's is in history. And I think that's what attracted me to foundations because I see foundations as an interdisciplinary humanities-based project. Um, and so I kind of came to it in a roundabout way. I, uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about specifically, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here just so that I can kind of, I prepared like basically kind of one statement. <laughs> um, and that would be my suggestion, if you can, is to align yourself with the content area. So I came in through social studies education because that was my background. My first faculty position was in social studies, and I built my push towards foundations from that starting point. So I knew I wasn't in curriculum instruction. I don't really care about teaching method, even though sometimes I get wrapped into doing that, um, social studies methods teaching, but I started from that point of strength and I built mm -hmm. from that point. So if you can align yourself, English education, whatever uh, language, uh, mathematics, whatever it is that you do in your background, if you came from being a teacher, mm -hmm. I would suggest starting from that point and then exploding from there. So I see foundations as a kind of and I do this politically and strategically because the humanities are definitely under attack, as we know. Um, it is a humanities-based, interdisciplinary, critical project that tries to look at the connections between not only schools and society, but also as an intellectual project that questions relationships of power and highlights struggles and et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's kind of where I'm at. Is that, is that clear or is that okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. And you say ditto? Um, so, I don't, I wouldn't say I came to foundations as much as foundations came to me, literally. Um, I, my background is high school social studies teaching. I was really active um, as a young person in, in high school around, what was, was organizing somebody around something. Um, in hindsight, I'm like, what was always organizing? Let's walk out. We're going to walk out in support of teachers who were striking. So I organized a support walkout for teachers who were striking. Um, my introduction to what we now term social foundations was at a community meeting, much in a circle group like this with food in the evening and with adult beverages. And we were dialoguing about the state of education um, in North Carolina, and there were professors who were participating in this kind of house meeting, community meeting with teachers. Um, and at the time, David Levine was a professor at UNC Chapel Hill, and he studied um, freedom schools. So he was, you know, in this community setting. He's like, hey, I'm David. I'm like, hey, I'm Daniela. And so my introduction to social foundations was one 
that centered it being grounded in community. Haha. <laughs> um, it was interdisciplinary, um, and it was inter. It, for me, interdisciplinary is humanities and the social sciences, right? So my being able to then work with an economist was understanding that there are radical economists and there are radical black economists who ask the same types of questions I'm interested in as a qualitative researcher. They just have a different set of tools, um, very helpful tools, actually, um, in, in addressing these questions. So um, I, I think to not be redundant, but want to kind of <coughs> echo and support um, Abraham, I think that you have to have a way in. So for me, uh, my job is I coordinate secondary social studies. My work is I study power. Mm-hmm. There's a way that in which they both connect, right? And I'm intentional about that, and especially with the new social studies standards that now actually have social justice mm-hmm. and democracy and human rights are written in. I'm like, oh, okay. I now do social studies. But prior to that, you know, I, I'm, I can be a good administrator, right? And there's nothing, you know, anti-progressive about being a good administrator of a program. So I think really figuring out what skills you have outside of your academic interests and how that skill set will make you an asset to an institution. And I think it is an asset to an institution that, yes, I can teach your Methodist courses and I can teach curriculum theory courses. I can teach courses on urban education. I can teach qualitative methods courses. I, so making sure that you're constantly um, thinking of yourself as, yes, you are inherently an asset. We are all valuable. <laughs> and the job market is tighter. Um, I'm um, heartened that there are more mm-hmm. foundations positions now that I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's because of you know retirements or student growth, but I think there's there's space right now, um, and that you should really kind of think about what is what is the work that you do. My um, community work and working in the nonprofit setting a lot, and I was a paid organizer before our former President Obama made it popular to do so. Um, that that was something that universities interestingly found attractive, that that's kind of what I, I operated out of community. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to see yourself not as a commodity, but what is it that you're bringing to the relationship that you'll have with the folks who'll be paying you? relationship that's not necessarily terminal or forever. You can always separate or divorce amicably. So, um, so like if you can collect experiences like in your home institution, for example, um, observing student teachers, volunteer to yes. do that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that don't like to do that. I know it's not the best thing to do, but that is a marketable skill that yeah. schools of education over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're yeah. interested in doing that, mm-hmm. volunteer yeah. for those kinds of yeah experiences because those are the things that you can say, look, I've worked with student teachers, mm-hmm. I've taught methodology classes, I've I can do I mm-hmm. I can get my feet in all kinds of mm-hmm. different ways. Yeah. So I think what you're saying about mm-hmm. the method is it's right. you know yeah. perfect. Yeah, and be mindful of I think we we um, privilege certain things as radical projects. And I realize that it's a radical project. Like it says something to me that um, because I coordinate secondary social studies and I believe that community should have power 
um, and that we should be listening to the voices of young people when we're developing curriculum. And that we need to not, we need to push back against a Eurocentric, um, heteronormative, um, white, you know, savior mentality in teaching. I'm, I run the secondary social studies program, right? So that means I have an opportunity to have these conversations with our every supervisor that I hire, who they're retired teachers who haven't been in these classes in 20 plus years, right? So it, it's, it's, I think that thinking more expansively about like the work that you do and what little, what slice of the larger work are you contributing to? And how can you do your work in such a way that it brings you joy? Because keep it real, you also need to stay paid because in this, we're in a capitalist system. We gotta, right now you gotta come think about healthcare, taking care of your families, and not just like your micro family, but for those of us who you got elders, and you got siblings, and grand nieces and nephews. <laughs> So thinking kind of well around that, but um, uh, the last thing, and then I'll be quiet hopefully for a long, long time. My mama said to me, um, and I wrote this one down to put, oh gee, and uh, my mother always said to me when I was a little girl, she reminds me now as a grown girl, she's like, you were born an original, don't die a copy. And I think that oftentimes in, in the academy, we, we see people that we admire, we love their work, and it's be, be you, be your original you. And nobody else can do you better than you anyway. So, you know, like be an original and don't die a copy. Don't die a copy in your academic voice. Don't die a copy in how you choose to write. Don't die a copy in even how you choose to do your research. And don't die a copy in how you choose um, to be in the academic world. And don't ever be afraid to be bold. Mm -hmm. uh, it is risky, and you have to assume the responsibilities of that decision, mm -hmm. but boldness has served me very well for various reasons, and it has also hindered me for various reasons, and I accept those consequences of my actions, yeah, yeah, yeah. but never afraid to be bold in both your approach to your mm -hmm. thinking and your research. Yeah. Boldness yeah. is what gets people remembered and noticed. Just never forget that. Don't be afraid to take those kinds of leaps. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Um, I, I mean, I agree with a lot of stuff already. Um, I had a little bit different of an experience, so I think their advice about positioning yourself in different mm -hmm. ways is still a theme that I had. Um, I'm sort of straight foundations. The two jobs I've had have been foundations, um, but I was a high school or a middle school teacher in New York City um, public schools, and I was at Fordham University doing my masters, and I had never taken. I did. I had never heard of foundations. I had never heard of anything that we do here now. Um, I was in a philosophy of education class with this crazy radical feminist woman at Fordham at the time. And she was like, you need to get a PhD in social foundations. And I was like, I have no idea what that even means. I had never taken sociology. Um, and so it was because of her, she's like, but every class I was kind of complaining about the poverty issues and the systemic racism and all this, these things with my students. Um, so that's how I originally heard about it, and I applied to a couple schools, and one of the questions, um, what, the school I ended up going to, Loyola University of Chicago, um, they interviewed you in person for the PhD program, which none of the other programs I had applied to did that. And one of the questions they asked me was, do you know what Social Foundations is? 
I was like went on their website, you know, and I read the little, like, regurgitated back to them what their website said, and um, they were like, wonderful, accepted. Um, <laughs> so it was funny, but, but I was fortunate. So my advisor does not come to this conference. He's more comparative in international education, um, but he was he was the one, my first year of grad school in 09 was like, you need to go to this conference. You'll love it. You know, I didn't present. I just came, and I, you know, I remember seeing, I used to run the grad student something award or something like that. I remember oh, seeing you. Oh like, yeah, the first when I was graduate years. student yeah. coordinator. Yeah, and then the first I was like, yeah, the, we did the the inaugural. Yeah, we like, need to honor graduate yeah. student research. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I think I met yeah, yeah. Danielle and one of my. Well, so That's my point is like, familiar. Yeah. I was you see, like, <laughs> it was a while. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is like, you start to see yeah. faces, and because mm-hmm. it's a small conference. I was like shy at first, but I just started kind of going to sessions that were about foundations mm-hmm. and learning what it is, right? And so my PhD is actually in educational policy studies, and none of um, my faculty were ever teachers. They were kind of straight researchers, so they didn't really, they didn't have the same commitments as I did coming in as a teacher, um, but they were very much about align yourself to a discipline. That was sort of how. I got my foray into the social sciences and into, into sociology. So I think um, for me, it was more about the rigor of different disciplines because mm-hmm. education can be seen as a less rigorous degree. Um, mm. And people are judgy, even the people in our field are judgy yes. about where you go to school and all those things unfortunately matter. And I didn't go to Chapel Hill, I love Chapel Hill. People confuse me having gone to Chapel Hill and I'm like, no, I just went to Little Loyola. Um, <laughs> but I have gotten two jobs and I think I really attribute it to my advisor helping me sort of understand the tools in different disciplines mm-hmm. and different, um, so I took courses you know, in program evaluation and mm-hmm. quantitative methods, which is not what, I'm an ethnographer, but like those are mm-hmm. skills that then I got research assistantships mm-hmm. to do. Then I learned how to do actual research and started to publish. And I worked for a community-based research center during graduate school. Mm-hmm. So I coached teachers on the side and for Chicago Public So I did, I had like seven jobs as a grad student, you know, and still I think made like $1,000 a month. But um which is another issue in the world. But my point is, I was sort of, like you guys were saying, I think collecting all these experiences, and I didn't know that they were assets at the time either, right? So you don't necessarily, but get in, my point is like, you should do things, as many things as you can, and you're going to feel tired and overwhelmed all the time, and you're going to feel that when you get a job too, so (laughs) just get used to it. But I think if you can continue to collect and go a little bit outside of your comfort zone, at the mm-hmm. very least, you can start to see how other people are positioning themselves. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, I'm a first-gen college student. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have someone kind of helping mm-hmm. me out. I don't have capital, things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so I just learned through osmosis of watching mm-hmm. all, a lot of other people that were in the academy. So for me, that's sort of how I learned about foundations, even though I was in a PhD program about mm-hmm. it. Um, And in terms of my work, when I apply to jobs and things, I typically frame myself as a social scientist, um, even for foundations jobs, um, because I am one. You know, that's the work I do. But um, the other tip I would say for jobs in particular is, you know, read those job calls. Those are very, they are debated. 
they are approved by faculty, they are approved by search committees. Mm -hmm. So the language in job calls, even though it looks like it's the same job that you're reading over and over, there's usually some words in there Mm -hmm. that you need to sort of dig in. Um, And I always put that in my opening paragraph Mm -hmm. of cover. You know, I'm a social scientist, I'm interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. Here's exactly what you wrote in your job call Mm -hmm. that I can do also. You know, Mm -hmm. so those are sorts of the like little things that I've done. I don't typically say I'm a social foundations person, um, but the work I do is all social context of education as mm-hmm. well. So there are other ways that you can, I know you guys were saying kind of build, it, like almost like work yourself into foundations, and I kind of did that too, just yeah. think in a different way. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening to part one of the series, I'm a foundations doc student, now what? which was recorded at the 2018 AESA Annual Conference, which took place in Greenville, South Carolina. If you have any ideas or feedback regarding the AESA Graduate Coalition podcast, thoughts, or even show ideas, please reach out to me, Tim Morreal. My email address is T-M-O-N-R-E-A-L at email. .sc.edu. And please look for the second part, which will deal with publishing and writing. Uh, The hope is to get that out in the next couple of weeks.